1: Much of this Rangers modernisation story this season ran perfectly with the pace of change happening around it. The game itself was starting to realise that the introduction of freedom of movement and employment throughout Europe after 1992 may have an impact on contracts and transfer fees and the appearance of satellite dishes in homes throughout Britain in the February of 1989 brought football's governing bodies to the understanding that television was something to work with and not fear. Even the old city of Glasgow itself With the new City Enoch Centre representing a kind of modern retail experience at one end of Buchanan Street, and the construction of the Royal Concert Hall providing a fitting auditorium for the soon to be European City of Culture at the other, was shaking off its hard, grimy, and dangerous image. And yet, it juxtaposed so sharply with other events throughout Britain at the time. This was also a time of tragedy in the country, a reminder of where investment was still lacking, and why, despite how Fukuyama would be misunderstood, The victory of liberal democracy was not yet complete. The very day Rangers resumed pre-season training for 88-89, the Piper Alpha disaster raged in the North Sea, killing 167 people. Four days before Christmas, 270 people lost their lives when Pan Am Flight 103 was destroyed by a bomb planted on board and landed on the Nofresia town of Lockerbie. Rangers would play Gretna in a fundraiser in the January. And then on Cup semi-final day in both Scotland and England came Hillsborough the tragic nadir of English football's reckless indifference which cost 96 Liverpool fans their lives and ensured that real action and reform instead of empty gestures was now unavoidable. To talk a little bit about that and the Rangers title win and a treble loss um am joined by David Edgar. How are we David?
2: I'm good thank you uh, yes uh, a, lot of, a lot of memories even just in your introduction there and it was a, a vibrant time and uh, you, you were aware of change in Scotland and the 90s were coming and it was going to be totally different to, to what had gone before and then Hillsborough came along and you were just reminded again how much had to change, how much needed to change uh, and I think football fans right across the UK had all experienced something similar, Rangers fans on that day as we'll discuss and, uh, yeah, a really a, a poignant and a time that led to long changes, which I think overall much more in the in the plus than in the negative
1: column. Yeah. And if you've been listening to the show for a while now, you'll know by now that if David's here, Alan Bradley is also here. Good evening, Alan.
3: Yeah, good evening. You doing okay, yeah?
1: I'm doing all right, thank you. You might hear by the voice that um, we really should have recorded this for many reasons. We should have recorded this before the Old Firm game of uh, Saturday third of uh, Sunday third of April. Um, the voice is just about holding up. Uh, anyway, um, let's go on, and David. You, you you did mention that There's, there is a, a lot of of change happening, um, and it's why I use the word juxtaposition because modernisation is the theme that just keeps coming through when I've been researching this whole period. Um words sometimes matched by deeds, not always um but the Rangers story felt like that it felt new and it felt space age and it felt the future and yet, in the season where Rangers on the pitch and off the pitch represented very much that though these reminders of where kind of British society still was, and it was it was quite a, a jarring um memory when I, when I was looking back through it let 's go to that semi final is it parkhead against St johnson lower League St johnson they were on the up. Uh, they they joined the Premier Division and uh, not not that long after. Um, officially, forty seven thousand three hundred and seventy four spectators uh, were in Parkhead to watch um, Rangers. I think Toil in the Sunshine and that that Scottish Cup semi final It finished nil nil. It was pretty desperate. Rangers, I think, just expected to turn up and do the job. St. Johnson, it was their Cup final, and they celebrated as if they they had won that. I was there at Parkhead that day. I was in the. Main stand, um, towards the Celtic end where Rangers were given for some reason. They were, they were given the uh, the Celtic end the jungle, I think. Um, and I could see that there, there were issues, that, that, that something had kind of collapsed and there were Rangers fans on the, the, the track side. Um, there that, that was clearly a disorder. Rangers fans talked um, uh, trying to get in. It was a bit of a jam trying to get in. They were complaining to police who told them you're just spoiled by eyebrows. You don't know, you know. You've never had it so good. You, you know, that you you need to kind of get real. This was the the kind of mentality getting into Parkhead around that time. So I'm watching this as an eight year old, but in my ear, I'm hearing guys around me talking about people dying. Now in their ear was a transistor radio, and they were getting news um, coming up from Hillsborough, of course. The, issues at Parkhead were thankfully minor. Um, but I do remember being a bit confused as to what I could see, which looked a bit unusual, but not catastrophic, and, and what people were talking about. Do you, you have any memories of that, that day at Parkhead?
2: Yeah, the one that, that really sticks with me is, is we were at the game, me and my dad, and my dad, but um, he got the tickets. He was working in Springburn in Glasgow at the time, so it, it was great for being able to... You know, nip yeah. across the ticket office and get and get tickets for matchy. So we we did quite well in this period, and the novelty of going to Parkhead to see Rangers not play Celtic was you you know what you like when you're that age. You know that that kind of thing the really appeals and also because the other season ticket holders in my class weren't going <laughs> which is always Which on the guys who went regularly rather they weren't going so you know that extra cachet you have of yeah i've got into the semi-final um and it, it and i was fully expecting a, an easy victory and, and it didn't happen we saw as you did what had gone on and my dad immediately assumed um trouble because it was 80s, and yeah. you did You got a lot of flashpoints, you got a lot of trouble And then you could see that there were people hurt And that there wasn't that You guys will remember And listeners who went to games In the 70s and 80s will remember You could kind of spot trouble by the way that it Happened, you know, there would be Like this flurry mm-hmm. If you like, of movement And shouts and roars Not only from the people in it, but from people Round about them, you know, would almost Gather round and Sort of get to a safe distance and then O and R along with a the, as a the blowsmen and and it wasn't that it was different and it seemed to get sorted relatively quickly um, and then as you mentioned you know the news from Hillsborough came in because it was a big game Liverpool Nottingham Forest FA Cup semi final you were wanting to know what the result was people with the coupons of course and it hadn't kicked off and and I immediately thought maybe something like because I'd watched high so, as as an eight-year-old on the TV live. And I thought it was maybe that, because you know what you like, again, at that age, Liverpool I associated them with that, so was this that. Mm. And the thing I remember, as I said to you very specifically, was when we got into the car on the way home, raging about the result and the performance, you know, because it was inconceivable to 12-year-old David that Rangers could not beat a lower division side overnight. I mean, it was actually inconceivable. I just could not Mm. get it into my head that this was a possibility. Uh, And I was so nervous in the last few minutes that they were going to get one and and knock us out. Because, as I say, my cup record at this point is diabolical, really, and it will be till 1992. So we get into the car and we're listening to it on the way home, quite somberly. Um, My dad, she shouldn't make us what surprised him. they' they've quite a talkative child Um, he wanted to hear this and when we got there he parked and he turned around and he said don't tell your mum about what we saw at the football and I thought okay why not he said because she'll stop you going now if there was a threat that would yeah, yeah. it was that and my dad instinctively knew and he's told me suspense to my mum spoke to me since my mum Had nightmares about me going to football because of 71 Hmm. because she knew what that was. And it was only the fact that Ibrox was Ibrox Hmm. uh, and she didn't watch football. So my dad, I think, had led her to believe that pretty much all stadiums (laughs) were like Ibrox now, right? Parkhead
1: certainly was not.
2: No, and neither was Rugby Park um, where we would go occasionally and various other places. But I think he'd sort of led her to believe that and he knew instinctively if She'd sat and watched this on the TV, which she had, because um, Grand was on, you yeah. remember. And, and, and they basically, they showed it live. They weren't going to show the game, but they had reporters there, obviously, for Match of the Day, and they literally, you know, you, you saw it all unfold, and she sat watching it, um, doing the ironing, and she, he knew, he, he said, if she sees that and thinks there was something similar happened, she won't let you go, and... My dad is a very realistic man. He knew who would win that fight and it wouldn't have <laughs> been him. So that was uh, uh, that. That was very much a thing of, of just a reminder of how... And, and at the age I was at, you then think, you put the connections together, you go, well, if he didn't want me talking about it because my mum will think it's that, it must have been like that. And I couldn't, because I was mainly an Ibrox guy. And when we did go, we got there my fault. We, I'd make my dad go in there for about quarter past one to grounds. I like to sit, read the programme, soak in the atmosphere. Um, So we we never really got caught up, you know, even at away grounds. We would get in mm. as soon as they opened the gate, really. So I was never involved in that sort of thing. And it just, to a, to a kid who'd grown up in the 80s when Ibrox was Ibrox, and I had student enclosure plenty of things, but it was wasn't big enough, I think, to really, I'd never I'm done not, it for an old fun game, so maybe, so maybe that would have been, been, been different, but I, it just blew my mind that this could happen. And, of course, the, the thing we should always be grateful to the people in Scotland for, to the SFA, and it's maybe not a phrase that we use often in Scotland, but we absolutely should, is that they would not put fences up, that they just point blank refused to put fences up and you would see them in England. And you look back on it now and you think, my God, you know, talk about... Talk, you know, they've treated these people like cattle. Hmm. And, of course, the, the argument then is, well they acted in a bovine manner, so that's why they were treated like that. But I think it's a chicken and egg thing. Yes, and I it's it's visionaries that see beyond that.
1: that. Yeah, they see beyond yeah. that. And,
2: and I, I, mate, I will always be grateful to the SFAT early walker for that. Whether he did it out of conscience, whether he did it to be different, and uh, whether he did it because he was being told not to do it and he was a contrarian, I do not know. But had there been fences in place that day, we would have been staring at a very
1: similar event. Yeah, and not the only one, I think. Alan, any memories of that? Where were you that day?
3: Yeah, I I was at that game, when the supporters was a wee bit different to, obviously with David, I think I'd be 26, 27-ish, you know, then, so, obviously I had a lot of years of going to away grounds and uh, seeing, obviously, you know, crowds and Congested things, and as David said, some of the, the kind of problems. But right away, I think we were in the jungle. I was there with David Bess. We, we were actually in the jungle over, and you could actually look over. And I remember saying to David the minute it started, look, there's just too many. You could see them coming in for that back corner, you know, between the Celtic end and their stand. And mm-hmm. fortunately, as David said, without the, the obviously anything, they were just actually coming over the top. But you just felt as if something's. You know that this isn't safe. What's going on here? And then it wasn't that long after. I think that again, it was someone mentioned that the word starts going round. Something's happened down at the semi-final down there. So, uh, and then obviously it just puts everything into perspective again. The the game was horrible, as you say, Martin. I think the second half we we had quite a few chances and so on, but we just seemed to be kind of going through the motions. And I, I would say I had seen some of those even in the good 70s. We would end up going to extra time with, mm. I don't know, Forefarm and Trozer. You know, you get the odd wee blip where you just tell something ain't right and they're putting everything, you know, into it. But, no, I rem- remember seeing that one, and I think it was more back in the supporters' bus as well, and then there's more stuff you're listening to in the radio. And, obviously, I go back home, and obviously Margaret's been watching it, as as David had said. Again, I know, it, but... As far as Margaret was concerned, no, no, there wasn't any of that because you can understand why people and especially because of like as a kid and like our families and the Ibrooks disaster, you know, there is always that wee bit about what's happening at football grounds and it it was just, okay, it was just absolutely just so sad. I felt as well when we went obviously to the replay again it was different because everything had been put into perspective yeah because obviously we had seen it you know and okay we'll get into the game and so on but with that and like you've said too with the other things that had happened in society the kind of wider one and as much as we all go as if it's the end of the world you know that well hey i'm sorry Mm. and it's things like that sadly but things like that they do really slap us in the face don't they and I, I think my biggie looking forward as well on that one. It was just such a shame that this was going on and on and on after it, even all the court stuff. and I think even to this day, you know. Mm-hmm. But no, just just such a sad, you know, kind of sad day, Martin, yeah. To the football then, the, the replay was quick. It was the Wednesday
1: night after it. And Rangers in that brilliant, uh, Monaco-esque away strip because the way we changed <laughs> yep. the strips round um, back at Parkhead <clears throat> 4-0 winners, again a game or some goals, especially Gary Stevens, um goal the second um, are, are to be savoured it really was a, maybe a rocket up them um, because it was a poor Rangers performance on the Saturday uh, and they, they definitely delivered and there was an excitement then, I, I remember my dad being pumped because old firm cup final first in Mm -hmm. well since um, the the, the riot I guess Uh, 1980 and and like you know here we here we go, it's going to be the the way to uh, finish the season. We will get to that um, in a moment. But it really was a, a super display. Rangers followed that up in the the league as they motored towards that title. Uh, a good 2-0 win at Love Street. Uh, notable for, for Ian Ferguson's second goal, which um, were in the top corner, but always loved the ball boy who's standing just behind the goal. Um Crouch (laughs) and uh, to try to get out the way of this utter thunder blaster um, that that, that came from um, miles out, forgetting that the net would actually save them. Um, Which meant uh, that the Rangers, going into uh, a home fixture against Hearts at the end of April, um, could win the title if Aberdeen failed to beat Celtic, which they duly did.
0: Walters is there, Wilkins and Sterling. And there it is, and it's in! It. Beautiful play by Stanley! And off he goes! Oh. <laughs> that's a deep shadow. look at this comedy of errors with Drinkle. Well, that's not a bad ball there. A great goal, Stanley! ...superbly taken by the big man. He is having a field day. Looking Walter Walters and he just gets on there. Price. Oh, brilliant goal, Drinkle. Oh, yes, superb goal. Well, the three goals from the two Englishmen and how about that? here's Ferguson... Down. There's the race forward north side drinkle. He done it to second Rangers caught and you get the feeling that if, if Rangers really wanted this could develop into a route. Well there's an almighty roll going up, for the final whistle has gone at Petraudri. It is nothing each, and the Rangers supporters realise that. I'm not sure if the Rangers players do, but the championship is Rangers or, technically speaking, they're four minutes away from it.
1: Get to the Rangers stuff in a minute, David, but I, I, I think a fitting fashion in, in which they kind of settle this, this title, really, Aberdeen... Drew and Elnell home to Celtic. It was the 13th of 14 league draws that season. And it just kind of typified this season and the season we're going to come to next. That all the chasers, all the runners and riders behind Rangers, they just cut each other up all the time. None of the rest could really get any kind of sense of consistency. Um, get into that one. A wee bit different because it's it's not completely in your hands. Can you remember much before the game? I guess a lot of radios in, in, in close by, David.
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I always, whenever we're assuming on another result, don't tend to think it will happen. Um, but great believer in just do our own business. Because we were going to win it. I mean, that that was the thing. It, it was unlikely. It would take a, as you, you like to say, a Devon Locke style Collapse for us not to to go on and win the title. So, with that in mind, I think that I was fairly relaxed, or as relaxed as I got going to the game. But for a lot of older people, I could be out on the sauce tonight. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, a <laughs> contributing factor to I really hope that it happens today because I can get out and, and on the bar. I, I understand that now <laughs> as an adult, more so that you know if we were going to you know win win the title and we were waiting on a result. And again, it's this thing that younger people might that these games would never be at the same time. Now they just yeah. they categorically wouldn't be, as we saw last season um, with the, the game, the Celtic game on the Sunday. So uh there was the there was a sense of expectation really and one of the things that struck me that day was uh, everyone cuz it was a kind of murky day i remember yeah it was cool. um, yeah it wasn't uh, sunny or anything it was a sort of murky day and i kind of remember looking around the ground and being struck by how many people were wearing the top or that beautiful training kit you know the umbro, um red-white, the, the one with the kind of red-white bit, red yeah, bit with yeah. the two yeah. red stripes. Still mm-hmm. my very favourite Rangers training top of all time. Um, or some other piece of this more modern merchandise that we were getting into. And it just seemed everyone was wearing a top or a tracksuit or that. And as if they'd almost dressed up for the day so that the stands would look this collection of red, white and blue. And it sort of struck me that that maybe people were preparing for this to be how much photographed, much recorded day, and they wanted Ibrox to look as as immaculately red, white and blue as it possibly could. So yeah, I, I do remember the sense of expectation. On your point then about the rest of the other teams, I think it's very interesting. We've touched on this in this show several times and I think we'll need to do so for another couple of years at least before it becomes a redundant thing. There were good teams in that division. Mm. There were five or six teams that were more than capable of getting a result off each other at any time and a result off us or Celtic or whoever. It was not two teams and everyone else. It will soon move to that and actually one of the two teams isn't Celtic, Aberdeen. Yeah. But in this period, there were plenty of teams who at the start of the season... It's not that long ago since the D United in Aberdeen, and it's certainly not that long ago since Hearts got within seven minutes and then blew it. Um, it's a case of them at the start of the season thinking, you know, with a tailwind, it's going to be difficult because of Rangers. And I sometimes wonder if the pressure of expectation, and we talk about some Rangers team folding under it, uh, sometimes I think the pressure of expectation um, can be a positive because that amount of draws is frustrating, but at a club where, where we didn't lose can be played, and it not be a full-blown crisis, mm. then maybe it's easier to slip into that. Maybe at Ibrox, where you've got the, 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 the fervent crowd, and the fact you know, I mean, if we draw three games in a row, it's a, it's a disaster. It's manager sacking. It's, it's all of that. And then the other thing that I think is a factor in that, the teams who didn't achieve, or, or did, sorry, achieve that title, were the teams who had managers who wouldn't accept it, yeah. i.e. Alex Ferguson, Jim McLean. We had Graham Zunis, and we had the pressure of the support. So I think sometimes pressure does make diamonds. Aberdeen, throughout mm. this period, were a right good side, but they often seemed a, a satisfied side. Yeah. And they still had a lot of players from the glory era. They, they still did. I mean, they getting were bringing through a few new ones, a few signings, but they were getting older, and they had a full set... Um, they had a full set of, of every medal, more than one, and a European trophy. And I, I do think that that maybe was a big driving factor for Rangers, that our fans wouldn't accept it and our manager wouldn't accept it. And also, you know, the people at the top of the club with so much money had been spent, everything was, was about moving forward, that maybe when push came to shove, our fear of not winning was greater than theirs, and we used it positively.
1: Alan... 4-0 win, Kevin Drinkle with two, he'd be the top goal scorer that season, Mel Sterland popping up with his, his cameo in a very kind of short uh, pace of time. <laughs> it was just a very fun afternoon um, and very different from two years before. Terry Butcher says, you know, uh, it, it didn't mean nearly as much as the first one, even though the, the Rangers had a chance to, you know, win it in front of uh, a full Ibrox, who obviously didn't have at Petaudry. But that manic adrenaline pumping and um, kind of celebration. This is not the first time you've experienced this. The first time that David's experienced this though of a title that feels processional. It could happen today. Hopefully it does happen today but it'll happen next week. It doesn't matter. It's going to happen. You had that a few times in the 70s but this was very different from Petaudry.
3: Y Yes. Absolutely right and it's good the link that you made as well even to the 70s because I remember after the long period, you know, the 9 or the 10 or whatever it would be Comarnock Celtic and then the Easter Road one. And then obviously we've got, you know, for us to win it. Aye, it's funny because the next one, although it was good winning it, uh, you know, getting the treble, it, it didn't feel the same. And I think even if you look at the attendances as well on those and the Wallace ones after that one. It became a the, the nine thingy, I don't mean stopping the nine, but the fact that you haven't won it for such a mm. long time really builds up, and that's what happened. And when Sunnis came in there, we had that big, massive gap. So this was just like, my goodness, like the Holy Grail, you know, at the time, okay, last the season prior to that was a, a bit of a show for loads of different factors. But again, you're right, and Big Butcher, I think he said that. When, when this one comes in, it became more of a well we're sort of back in top or we're thereabouts now and that's good we've won the title and 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 to be honest with you that feeling going forward as well. I I know later on there'll be some where you go there and they go, What's happening today? Oh, we're getting the trophy, right? I'm nicking away, you know, it's so it definitely had a it definitely had a different feel about it. I, I think like David said as well, I think there's quite a few of the old inflatable champagne things in that David, but you're right. I think it was more a case of we could win it. But we're not sure. And I'll put my hands up and say I think I was late home that night, you know, maybe it wasn't straight off the bus. So I mean it was a great feeling obviously winning it, but, but but again, just just not the same as you say of the, the Petodre after that period of time. As soon as
1: um makes mention as he does all the time, we've spoken about this before on, on these shows um, to Archie McPherson afterwards about injuries, we've done this despite injuries, You know we couldn't do that last year, obviously Durant's injuries, the, 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 the crucial one, there was no John Brown that day, there was no Ian Ferguson for the Hearts game, Ray Wilkins had to come off after 20 minutes, this would be impactful Um, in a few weeks but he was very very proud um and that diary that he wrote uh he, he said it really summed up what we've been preaching to the players all the way through the season if you do your own job right then no one will be able to beat you to the title you don't rely on others do it yourself written by soonest in his diary it could have well have been the diary of the prime minister herself that um <laughs> individual responsibility being hammered home and, and, and home again david a seven eighty-eight that we we talked about also um, a few weeks ago, Rangers took sixteen points out of forty from the kind of mini league of Glasgow, Edinburgh, Aberdeen, and Dundee. This kind of six teams: Rangers, Celtic, Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen, United. Sixteen out of forty. Um, Eighty-six, eighty-seven. It was twenty-six, and this year, twenty-eight. It's so important. It certainly was. Just based on what you, you've spoken about before, but when you you could easily drop points here. Um mm-hmm. to do the biz here, David, against these teams around you, be better than anyone else in this mini league, and then just take care of the, the 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 muck underneath. Here's how you win a title. And Rangers really did. When it came to the crunch, when those big games this season especially, they really, really did meet the the target.
2: Yeah, I think mean, you couldn't win the league then by beating the draws, um and and not being able to play against your rivals. You had to be able to turn up in the big matches, or, or forget it. There just there were too many teams that could cut your throat. You said it yourself. It, it, on any given day, Hearts could beat Rangers, especially away. Hibs could beat Rangers. They could beat Celtic. They could beat Aberdeen, and vice versa. There were very few fall down shocked results, which is why, incidentally, Hamilton or Dunfermline retain that 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 because I've I've seen younger bears say, how come people going about Hamilton when they were in the same division as you? And I, you, don't, you don't, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you don't get it. You don't understand. That's why it felt so seismic, because the teams around you most certainly could get points off you if you weren't up to. It. So to be champions, and again, this is why I say that it maybe felt a bit more. Much as I love being champions now, much as I've loved when we've done it, you know, in the two thousands, there was a sense of achievement because of the level of competition. That I think would be hard for any modern title mm-hmm. to get and I know that old man shouts at cloud but I, I do think it's demonstrably true that the sides around us were better. The football wasn't great to watch folks, I'm not going to lie to you, there was an awful lot of kick and rush, there was an awful lot of industrial tackling um, if, one, if at least one player in any given top Premier League match in Scotland didn't walk off the pitch with a broken nose after an elbow then then he was very lucky. But it it still had a level of competition that it just doesn't have now. And the year before, I don't think the team had adjusted yet to being champions and everybody being after them in maybe a way that in the first year there's that novelty. And as you mentioned, Terry Butcher said there, they had that wild, Mm. we need to do this, we are going to Mm. do this. And that sustained them in those matches. The second season, they've been to the top of that mountain. And these teams are now gunning for them. These teams don't like us. they they want to put us back as they see it in in the place, and again, they all have title ambitions of their own they know that if they can get points off us, that they're capable of getting points off the others and going on and winning it so, yeah, I I definitely think there's something in that, it was such a great day, do you remember the Mel Stirland helicopter, that was the first that was the first I'd I'd seen a helicopter celebration and um, I I love Mel Stirland and I soon (laughs) as He does a fine player. He had a really good career in England, the uh, Wednesday and Leeds United. And Soonis uh,
1: sold him for a profit. Come on, do a job. Just yeah, give yeah. me this. Help me sleep at night at the thought of losing Gary Stevens, because all my players are going to get injured at some point. Um <laughs> come in. Alright, well you can play up here, he can do that, um and, and he, he pops up. And it's right, well thanks very much for your time. Uh that's all we needed you for. We make some money. We will we'll come we'll try and devote a bit of time to a weird thing with we Graham Soonis. In terms of his managerial career, this his first job, obviously. Post Rangers, his ability in the transfer market is laughable. The the George Weir cousin being the you know the the, the perfect example that Ali Dyer, whatever his name was, at, at Southampton. Um, Steve Harkness, playing for. Yes, yeah, so so, so <laughs> dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. However, at Rangers he was superb, buying and selling, just getting uh, big name players. You know, long term investments and loads of these short deals just do a job for us. Something work right, fine you out now. Easier when there's, you know, you could do yeah. it. You can wheel and deal. There's no two windows to do it and blah blah blah. Um, but nonetheless, uh, he used the market so so well, and i yeah, mean, uh, uh, it's weird that the rest of his career was absolutely such a shit show. Um, I'm asking mm-hmm. you, I don't have the answer tucked under my sleeve is like a kind of trivia question I'm asking you because of your vintage um, my overriding memory of, of footage of that game and it's very very late 1980s football was inflatables inflatable champagne yeah. bottles in that, that, that case True. where did this come from the bananas are, are something I do remember from England I don't know if there were other more sinister Wait, connotations to that. But
3: Ma- Ma- Martin, we had the Colin Steen ones at the 73, John Cowden will tell you. So the, they're going way back into the 70s. But they're making, the a,
1: they're making a real renaissance here, though, aren't they? I mean, these are, these are oh, yeah. everywhere it, in England. It, it, was, it, it
2: was England that it came from, they, they were suddenly everywhere oh. in, in England, and then clubs up here uh, started to, to get their own. And you know what it's like? In the 80s, things came along, fads came along a lot because you things proliferated in a way that they don't now, really, and fads, once they came in, the whole country would be seized. But, I mean, the whole country, I remember this year specifically, went from... Nobody in the country owned a shell suit to yeah, by the end of it. Yeah, yeah. You you would go into what everyone wants, and there would be shell suits for all the family. Absolutely, you know, a mum yeah. and dad shell suit and a baby. Cycling shorts was another one. People, I'm <laughs> sure, will remember the black cycling shorts. Under under your shorts. Stripe.
1: I had one. I, I had under one. Under your shorts. Yeah, luminous, stripe. Your, luminous um, yellow stripe. On the sides of the black, because Mark Walters wears them, and he doesn't want to do his hamstrings, Mum. I'm I'm concerned about that. So can we just just ensure that when I'm playing for fucking Bishopton United or whatever, and, and, and Saturday morning that I'm, I'm I'm well taken care of the shell suits. My word, um, my parents. Okay, this is embarrassing. We went to Portugal on holiday 1990. The summer they had matching Scotland shell suits. <laughs> World Cup. <shoes.
2: laughs> And I mean, they weren't
1: the only ones. Absolutely not. About about around November that year, for some reason, shell suits went um very much out of vogue. Um, but yeah, they, they, they absolutely went everywhere.
3: Yeah, can you also sorry? Can you also remember as well the time where it became the big jumpers, which you actually tucked into your jeans? Chunky knits, they were called... Yeah, and then the hairstyle and you can picture it gerant Derek, ferguson and oh, you know right. that but they were all wearing them wearing the white Chunk- shoes that, yeah Chunk, they, all,
2: they all had deals with a place called the sweater shop ah. um That's and right. chunky knitwear. and again it, it doesn't really happen now fashion trends a little oh. bit of course but because there are so many options yeah. and because there are so many different places to consume information. That it's quite possible for things to 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 come into play and, and linger for a while and then exit without it reaching mass consciousness. And in the case of football, these things, these these inflatables were absolutely common. And then of course, you know, culture of football is a couple of buses start having guys carrying them. Yeah. A week later, there's another two or three. Yeah. Um, and and it was a case, And and you know, the sellers outside were selling them. Yeah. As it just came into my mind there
1: you. it just came into my mind I haven't I haven't researched it I might do it before I send this off for publication anyway back to the the stuff that night where Alan was in the pub way past the time that Margaret had allowed them um, <laughs> yeah. I might to take you to to Paris the Parc de Prince. um because France are playing Yugoslavia a very disappointing 0-0 draw which pretty much meant that, that Scotland had a place secured in the the World Cup in Italy the, the next year um Michel Platini, who was the French manager at the time, you know, he got the white flag out. Um, they had many around him, I think, um, to say, like, you know, we're finished, <laughs> Scotland, they're already in Italy. This was quite a, a good and entertaining qualification campaign, guys, for Scotland. A difficult group with, with France and Yugoslavia. Um, draw with Yugoslavia at home, beat France at home, um, beat Norway away, yep, the Cyprus away, when I think Richard Goff scored in about the 150th minute of, of, of injury time, it was a bit of a uh, a, a kind of nervy freak show but this was a good settled team it may well be because the Premier Division has moved from 44 games to 36 that Andy Roxburgh has a weekend just before these midweek internationals so he had a bit of time normally to to, to, to work with it he had a settled striking partnership for the first time in donkey's years it must be with Scotland mm-hmm. in and Johnson now Johnson looks a more rounded better player with his two years in France. He scored both goals against France at home. McCoyce was involved in both of them. Each of them scored against Cyprus at Hamden, which kind of sealed the 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 the, the kind of deal really in, in in April. Um this was a really good partnership. Some imagined maybe because they were good friends. International roommates. What could they do in the same club team? My word. Um but it was fantasy at the time. Even more so in the last week of the season boys. Um when Mo Johnson was sensationally paraded around Parkhead as their imminent, not done yet, yeah. 1.5 million signing. Um, listen, it was unquestionably ambitious. By McNeil, they had to do something, and Celtic looking maybe for a, a, a bit of a, a tonic before the, the, the Old Firm Scottish Cup final was coming up. Um, he's the best striker in, 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 in Europe, says Roy Keane. There'll be no problem you know, coming back, reintegrating into a, des- a dressing room that, let's say, he hadn't left in, in great terms a couple of years before. I remember vividly, listen, we, we have a tin capsule special 30 years after Mojo, it's in the um, the archives, folks, for, for for a listen. But I do remember vividly my dad get me up for school that morning. He would have, my, my parents said this, uh radio alarm clock with a phone at the height of 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 1980s technology um by their their, their bed and he would listen to clyde's sports desk in the morning to find out you know what was what was happening that day what was in that day's that day's papers basically and he came to get me up for school and he said look bad news celtic or signing mo johnson he's going back there um and I said, is he really that good? He had yeah, hazy memories, of course, of, of 86, 87. He said, no, he's, he's, he's a really good player. This is, really, this is a really bad one. Um, Johnson was on the Celtic team bus to their final game. He we went to Love Street last game of the season just to to, to watch, of course. Um, his agent, Bill McMurdo, was not there. He was at Ibrook's where he would normally be, to watch Rangers wrap up in not quite the party atmosphere. Gents, a 3-0 defeat by Aberdeen. Before we get to, to the conversations that may have taken place... Um, after that game you remember being deflated all those inflatables uh, with all the air out of them David, um, this was party day and you know, Aberdeen absolutely battled us
2: yeah, I'm 12 Martin and the fact we won the league doesn't take away the individual parts of a game hmm. for me um, I sort of demanded that we win regardless uh, <laughs> so I, I was utterly raging that day because i didn't realize that our players were basically drunk yeah and had been (laughs) since the hearts game because i'm not at the age where i i I realized that yet and they are these two-dimensional supermen to me they're not human beings so um rangers were an absolute shambles and i think in games like that it comes down to who wants it more aberdeen had a point they wanted to prove um and all this bullshit that does mean nothing but the whole layer marker thing. Okay. Um, you know, sometimes players manage to buy into it. Rangers didn't care, you know, and it was so apparent that Rangers team was going through the motions that day, they absolutely didn't care, which I think has repercussions in the Cup final, in all honesty, but uh, as it always does. But back then, we didn't know things about Momentum, and or we certainly didn't discuss them. If we knew about them, we 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 just thought, oh they'll be fine. They're a better team. They'll turn up and win. But that day, Rangers were honking. um One of your pet peeves, Martin. I remember very specifically the Alan. You'll remember this. The back four had an, an right. absolutely atrocious time with any ball in the air that
3: day. Yeah, yeah. No, it was just, I don't know. It was as if they just. Well, you said Aberdeen wanted it more than us. We hadn't kind of down tools, but. The attitude just wasn't right, wasn't it? And I, I don't even know. I think even some of the as if it was a let's try and keep ourselves for the final, let's kinda of hold yeah, back a bit of that do you know what I mean? But geez oh. and I know we'd been beating one nil the penultimate game of the season before we have our Dino home with the the Roberts carry on, but but this one, uh, David definitely took his like kind of three Now It was like you know what, you know, but again, you've won the, it's a case of, well, we've won the league, fine, let like Martin's dad, everybody's looking forward to it, it's the first old firm final, for goodness knows what, but, aye. Mm. The
2: Johnson thing had stirred up that final, by the way, and you know, maybe we were looking forward past that game and maybe the players were as well because you mentioned that there, it was a statement of intent. Back then, as was a huge mm-hmm. Scotland fan, as I think most of the nation was. I think this drift has happened for various reasons since then, but back then, you you did get over your club bodies well, in the main. John Cowden wouldn't, but, you know, the vast majority of people, <laughs> people would. And um, I, I loved the the johnston partnership. Um, I thought, you know, they worked so well together and there was something I thought pretty pretty cool about that, that, you know, look at the way that these two guys can play together, even though Johnston was clearly a much better player. He'd been a real good poacher, you know, he'd mm-hmm. been a real good penalty box striker at Celtic, but now he was, you know, there was a touch out uh, for younger Bears, a wee bit like Kenny Miller, except much better in that he would run the channels, he would work really, really hard. Tactically, he was on a completely different level than most of the players in Scotland because he'd gone to Europe. And back then, the benefits of going to Europe and playing under actual coaches was was huge, and you could see it. And that, that qualifying campaign in France, that was a filthy night. We beat them 2-0. It was a Sh- cracking victory.
3: Team in the, rain. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, the, the Richard Goff header in that brilliant yellow and blue and white away top. <laughs> the, the one with the the, mm-hmm. the hoop. Uh, it was a cracked talk And and just, yeah, there was a real feeling about going to the World Cup, and McCoy and Johnson were on fire. I never really thought anything, because I didn't think Ali would leave Rangers, and that was the only way they could play together, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Then when he signed for Celtic, I think as well, Celtic spending 1.5 million yeah. was a bit of a shocker because they just. They didn't spend that sort of money. They spent a few bob. You know, McIverney, I think, was, what, 750? 750, 750, yeah. Uh, 750. So they had spent a bit of money, but that was a real, you know, we're going to try and, and catch you. And and nobody could deny that he was a great player. And it was what was quite funny is, as soon as he signed, I went from, i hold my hands up to this, I went from going, when he was at Celtic the first time I hated him, right, because he was wee, Mm. blonde, long-term listeners to heart and handle, know my feelings about blonde men, Um, and a wee shite, basically, right, a total wee niaf, you know, with the earring and the the mullet and everything, and then he went to France, he came back, and he was just a much better player, and he obviously got on with Ali, which made him all right in my book, and I was, you know, yeah, as much of a fan as you can be of an ex Celtic player if you're a Rangers fan. And then he signed for them again, and I instantly hated him. I mean, instantly it was right back that feral,
3: ferocious hatred. Just, just the, way, that back up. Uh, the way it changed. I mean, I, I remember he, in the Eastern Closure when he was with them, one of those games where someone's injured, you know, and ev- everyone's waiting, and we were giving them pelters you know, getting right, and as sure as anything, I think he went up and scored the winner. So as a footballer, as you say, he was a cracking footballer. But yeah, I do remember that. I think David Best were driving. thought we were getting... The weather was horrendous going to, obviously, the Scotland-France game. But as you say, his hold-up play, absolutely brilliant. I mean, he, he looked like the complete, you know, striker. He could do the hold-up mm. run into channels. He was a smashing poacher as well, and he was brave. But I remember the... I, I'll lose any slunge points I ever had because my best mate is a postman and a season ticket at Parkhead, I think I've said it before, and I remember we used to go down to each other's houses and we went down that time, he was going to come back to Celtic and on the mantelpiece, this is me giving my age away, the mantelpiece was a picture of uh, Big Robert's young laddie, Robert, with Mo Johnson, with that daft jumper with his arm round him. And I was going, oh aye, yeah, we Mo's coming back. They were absolutely chuffed to bits. As you would be. Yeah, now clearly... You know, but at that point in time, and it did. It just added to the God. We've got this cup final coming, and the whole Mo Super Mo thing. Yes. It was building everything up, wasn't it?
1: Johnson in France was just a perfect example of of something that was, I think, quite common. With these players with good natural talent and and, and instinct, and you know something about them leaving Britain, a bit raw, and being shaped and being moulded mm-hmm. into better all round footballers um and then coming back looking or coming back to international duty uh, for england or whatever just looking like you know, different players anyway after that 3-0 defeat that kind of pooped on the party um bill mcmurdo of course famously leaning by the radiator near the main doors soon as walks past and a throwaway comment that would start a nuclear reaction um if only we'd known bill we'd have been interested um soon as was told look like, never mind that PR exercise last week, this isn't done yet. Um, Yeah, there was an an issue about who would pay the tax on Johnson's share of the transfer fee, even though Celtic in agreement would not, and they'd put 400 grand down. This wasn't concluded. Uh, But I mean, you know, huge, huge deal for obvious reasons. Morris Johnson's not just a Roman Catholic, he is a former Celtic player, he's stated he hates Rangers, he's been involved in that issue with Stuart Monroe, of course, amongst many others, and genuflecting the way out, blah, blah, blah. McMurdo just simply hadn't considered it as an option, but <laughs> soon as asked... Look, who would have? Who would have, yeah. <laughs> but soon as says, let's see, tell us. He gets a phone on the Sunday from McMurdo. He's interested. Okay. Soon as speaks to Walter Smith, who I think two minutes after picking himself up off the floor, um, does agree, yep, yeah, we, should, we should go for this. Murray isn't quite as quick. Um, I think Murray does take a bit of time just to to have a think about it and and, and weigh up the the absolute drama um, that it would cause. But had to come down on the, the defense that listen on the field and off the field. This is something that needs to happen. What if Celtic have them? Um That that's that's a a, a, a big issue as well. Um, but yeah, for, we have we have to break this thing anyway. We've talked about it long enough. Let, let's let's do it. And he gave Souness permission to to go and speak. Um, Souness met with with, um, McMurdo and Johnson um, in a little cafe outside of Orly in France to discuss the major terms, the big parts of the biggest transfer in the history of Scottish football. More of which later, we have this cup final. And Souness has got his own problems, injuries, of course. Uh, As I said, Wilkins was out. Derek Ferguson had an issue with his shoulder. It popped out against Cologne and it popped out several times after that. Now he's dislocated or another, the other one has popped out now. He wants to play, he's desperate to play, of course, but soon as thinks this is the kind of knock that could be preyed upon by fellow professionals, it's quite an easy one, isn't it? And also, it should be said, this is around the time that Derek Ferguson is caught in another incident with Ian Durant, this time in crutches in a kebab shop in the Paisley Road West. <laughs> um, I have no doubt that that played some part in that decision to cut him from the, the the cup final squad um which included him on the bench instead of a fit Ian McCall and i think there's been an impression that soonest thought the match would be a breeze you know look at the record against celtic and uh, that season he could come on later showboat end his bad record with british fa cups cuz he never won it as a player with uh, liverpool he said these two horrendous um uh, exits to Hamilton and Del Ferman but was Rangers manager and finish his career as a player that day. That that was unquestionably the plan. Um I was there my first old firm game um full kit wanker. Um I don't know if you could call an eight year old kid <laughs> that but uh, I did add absolutely the socks and everything. It was roasting um the hand and pitch was just rock hard that was burnt to a crisp um not the best game of course um as soon as his opinion the best player on the pitch was gary stevens but even he had a momentary um, mishap with a a terrible back pass to woods joe miller pounds the only goal of the game rangers would complain obviously bob valentine missed the fact that roy Aiken decided to take a throw in that wasn't his that led to that goal but Stevens still makes the error um Even more, I think, is the supposed foul by Mark Walters on on Pat Bonner at a corner where Terry Butcher thumps in a header, which is a bit of a nonsense in the second half. It wasn't a good game of football. Celtic won. Um, I was devastated because I got out of bed that morning, Davey. Like, my bed was on fire. I could not wait to to, to go to this cup final. And it's the treble. And, you know, it's it's my first old firm game. Um, It's going to be amazing. And, of course, it wasn't. But what I do remember was... Being part of, in my childhood mind, I'm I'm happy to to hear some more mature recollections on this, about maybe 10,000, certainly thousands, that stayed behind. was a huge banner that had been made with kind of caricatures of this Rangers team in Sooners. We want the Rangers. We want the Rangers. They wanted, even the disappointment of losing the treble, to give... Something back to it, to give a final kind of recognition for what had been an incredible season, and um, as soon as we entertain that, it don't doesn't entertain losing. Um, but that 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 was my memory of of, of that day. Yours? Um,
2: I was so excited because every year um, throughout that decade, I had watched the cup final, uh, one of the real matches that was live on the telly, and they would start the build up on TV at nine a.m. For the scottish cup final and we'd never been a part of it it had been oh the aberdeen celtic celtic dundee united aberdeen hearts dundee united st, jo- uh, st. Mirren for fuck's sake um celtic dundee united again i think and uh then we're there finally and i just because we'd never had the build-up the build-up was all week they would do a thing yeah, like, yeah report in scotland where they would go to the town and people the baker would always there'd be a baker who had baked a special cup final cake that was always mm-hmm. a thing and there was just all these traditions about it that i'd never experienced i'd never been a part of and again it might be difficult for younger people um much as we love cups now uh, still league is everything in pretty much every country we know that european football has has grown to such a stage, but the cup final romance then was enormous, and it was protected, and it mattered, and I'd never ever got to experience it for, with Rangers. I'd I'd watched other teams do it, uh, so like you, uh, out of bed first thing in the morning, watching the first couple hours of the coverage, and then you know with my dad, my first Scottish Cup final, heading out. Um, not only was I full kit wanker, I had the tracksuit on despite it being roasted, because my dad is a great believer in the benefit. Uh, even if it is roasted, you never know if you might need uh, an extra layer, so the, the tracksuit was a compromise because there was nowhere I was wearing a, a jacket. Um, so the tracksuit top was was put on, and my dad being my dad, he, he brought the bottoms, they were in the car in case I got too cold, as if it was like fucking Vesuvius in that ground that <laughs> yeah. day. Um and and we went and I just remember the atmosphere was you know, wild. I'd never seen obviously the the fifty fifty split before um, in a cup final. Although it seemed to me that like we had more. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not. Or just my vantage point because of where I was as a kid. Um and yeah, uh, and and again game a flat old game. You know, tired players. I think end of a season and. Again we, we speak about sometimes it's who maybe needs it more. Um Rangers I thought that day played a sort of sluggish football that it seemed like an effort. Um and what Old Celtic had to do I think was was try to stay in the game, fight a bit yeah, harder. I yeah. will never forgive that curly hair, cheating bastard right yeah. enough. It's quite clearly like our throw. Valentine lets him take it, uh and then it is our mistake. And to be honest, you know, all jokes aside about the throw, that's what I focused on. Because I me. I detested Joe Miller by the way, even as a child. I fucking detested him. He was a wronging. I could tell by looking at him. I'm right. He is a wronging. And of course, it would be him that that puts it away. And then, you know, you're, you're hoping against hope, you baking in the sun, we get the goal. I couldn't see what was wrong with it. I've watched it many times since. I still can't see what was wrong with it. And for fouling to be given in the box back then was, I mean, it hardly happens now. It never happened then. It was just a ridiculous thing. Well, it know, happened.
1: Last month. last week, we we spoke, I don't know, it wasn't last week. When, when was it we were talking... Uh, it was the end 86, the 86-87 one when we, we lost 3-1 um at, at oh, the head. Cooper Corner? Yeah, the Cooper Corner. And again, because someone, yeah. someone's aftershave was too too strong for Pat Bonner. And, mm-hmm. it, and...
2: It's an invented thing. And maybe it was Bonner had a certain... Because when he came out into the wild uh, of a corner, he did look like... Uh, Valentine he again. Like yeah, he looked like a wildebeest that stepped into the... But for Valentine to give it such an yeah. important thing was, was just ludicrous. And you knew. I mean, you knew when that happened. Forget it. This is done. Uh, and of course, you know they celebrate, and uh, it's a strange one because we've won the league in the league cup, and it's a good season. And it's not, you know, this is still we're not that far removed from fighting for sixth, you know, fifth or sixth. So mm. it's still a good season. It's obviously a disappointment to go into summer, but maybe it's just youth. Maybe Alan, you being older, felt definitely. I didn't feel crushed by it.
1: And again, that that's backed up by that. That ranger support long after Celtic have been away with the trophy, by the way, and there is a sizable rump of the support, to, pardon to use that phrase at this moment in time, um, that, that that wanted to to genuinely show their appreciation for, I think, a, a brilliant season. Alan, briefly, your your, your thoughts on that game? Um, I forgot to mention, of course, McCoyst. A massive setup oh, in that second half. Left, left foot,
3: snatched at it, and yeah missed it at the end, uh, or later on, yeah. Uh, I mean, same, uh, well, what you guys know me as the Don't Jinx at Loyal, you know, chief executive guy. That week, I remember saying to three or four, you know, kind of people, Celtic fans, Rangers fans, if we even play 75% of what we can, we're winning it stupid Alan, just shouting his mouth off because we had done the 5-1, the sort of 4-1, obviously one at Parkhead, I was that confident. So going to the game, I remember going to supporters bus, as you said, it was absolutely roasting. We were up in the back of the Rangers end but unlike now, where people have got the phones and as an hour before, here's a team and so on, we didn't know, we weren't sure, you know, what it was going to be. When they named the team and there wasn't going to be, obviously there wasn't a Derek Ferguson, there was no Wilkins. I think Soonis was on the bench. I think Serlin started. But right away, we just thought, oh, some, you know, something's not right there in terms of the midfield. So that knocked a wee bit of the stuffing out of us. I think what pissed me off with the goal, two things. One, the referee actually saw the ball kind of out with Aitken, and then as Aitken took it quick, he waves it on. Okay, Gary Stevens, does they clear it? What you said about it, uh, the one thing I hate was watching that wee bastard, excuse me, but blowing kisses. Yeah. You know to us, when he scored as well. I went home from it, Davey. I didn't do the defiant, uh, we'll support you evermore at the end. It was at full time, I'm out, because I can't stomach watching what it was. I've, I've said it before at Aberdeen finals, when the beaters and things, but at that point, I just wanted to go home. If you remember as well, I'd seen two trebles. I had missed the Greg one with the the Parkhead one mm. that could have been a third treble. We then had a chance, obviously, the season before, and we blew it with the knockout of the cup. Yeah. So I really wanted this one, and I remember getting off the bus at Motherwell at the time I stayed and just walking back and just feeling the lowest I had probably been, one of the lowest ever and it's funny how things obviously changed a couple of weeks later, but for me, it, David, it was devastating for me, yeah. Devastating for me as a kid, right. but, um, yeah. I think, I
2: think, yeah, that's, that's definitely, perhaps, like an age, I, I think uh-huh. now, it would ruin my summer. Oh, I'd be you aware. Know, in fact, I say now, I mean, a few years later, the United, yeah, just, um,
1: we,
3: we, we'll it, cut yeah. My summer.
2: yeah. So, so maybe it is just at that age, because you think, probably will be more cut finals, you know, you do, you, and you think, um, you're just not aware of a lot of stuff, uh, I, I just remember, though, that, I'd again, I've mentioned this before, but I just had complete belief yeah. in this. like Now, as an adult, uh, I can see, for example, Tunis's decision to put himself on the bench was a shocker, and it, it, it was unprofessional, and it was putting himself D- ahead
3: David, of the side. Sorry, David, the 5-1 he had Wilkins in there. The 4-1, he had Derek Ferguson. So, as you say, for him to put himself on probably thinking it was going to be a squish. Big, big missed well, I think he thought he'd he win. He,
1: he, he, he did think did he he'd up, win. Ten,
2: yeah.
1: But Derek, he Ferguson, he Derek Ferguson wasn't fit. Derek Ferguson no, injured okay. his shoulder, yeah. and it's, it's an injury that, that, that other pros can pry on. So I'm asking you, gents, on a cup final bench, do you want Graham Soonis or do you want Ian McCall? Yeah, all
3: right. On, on the bench, aye.
1: Yeah, which is which? He, of he was on the bench, and it, right, you're, well, you're missing Wilkins, you're missing Durant, you're missing Derek Ferguson. These, these you know, this is a problem. The, the, mm-hmm. Which he would be moan been be Um, but you know, just champions, blah blah blah. And listen, Rangers mistake, Rangers good goal disallowed, Rangers chances that 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 should have been taken just one of those days um more more was belting around um the <laughs> yeah. one end of hamden um with a very defiant Momo. fuck your mo from the rangers end david yes. murray david murray that sitting yeah it was you yeah david murray uh, sitting quite uncomfortably i think in the, sound, the sound stand wondering if this was really a good idea after all jeremy Knee wrote uh, a piece in the, the the build-up to that i think in the, the express um he wrote a book on Celtic. He with Celtic leanings, I think it's probably fair to say. and um, with Celtic at his heart, I think it's 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 not unfair to say. Around something along the lines of it would be best for Celtic to lose this, to see Rangers win a treble, to really rub their noses in it before the board um will take action. Maybe it was a few weeks before because of the the, the Johnson signing. But he felt that there was just this kind of um limp and, and lackluster Celtic board um that it was, and it would continue to be for 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 a few years to come. Um, but it's one of these weird things you get in, in football. Find when you can see the, the ownership of a club going into to trouble, and sometimes the only way to jolt people and David, you'll know this for your your, your time at the, the the trust and whatever, um, are on field results because that's the only time that, that people get energized and get 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 motivated. This possibly is one of the worst things to happen to Celtic. Um. But then I'm not sure they really had had it in them to, to, to turn it round in any event.
2: No, they didn't. They didn't have the squads to do that. They didn't have the the structure in place. They didn't have the manager, if we're being totally honest, by this stage of the game. And they they, they didn't have the, the apparatus in place to be a successful European club. The stadium was falling to bits. They were clinging to romanticized really from the sixties at this point a romanticised view of what football should be and I think that their board kind of felt that sending the players out to train in a public park in dirty clothes was, there was something romantic in it, you know, that it was somehow we're keeping close to our roots and we're also pocketing the money we would need to spend on (laughs) such things, so I think that was a consideration, Um, and you're right because they, they did use it as a oh well, that's all the pressure off us we've won the cup, we'll be back next season, as boards do you know, um, look, here is this one thing. Which forget all the underlying issues that we've been discussing. We've won a cup and we beat them, so everything's okay. And we'll make this one signing. That still happens. Martin, you and I doing an, an English football show on this network. Manchester United still do that. Look, who we bought this one mm-hmm. guy who will fix everything, Um and that is exactly what they did. And you, you you're spot on in that. It wasn't a seismic defeat for us. It was a painful one because it's an Old firm Cup final and it stopped us yeah. on a treble. But it wasn't something that that suddenly exposed that everything in the state no. of Denmark was rotten. It really did not. Everything was, was in place to be successful. Um, and I think you see, yeah, I mean, I, I won't be on for the Mo Johnson show, so I'll just say it now. The decision to parade a player who wasn't signed was absolutely uh complete and utter sign of a board who were just incredible really. yeah. yeah and also that they didn't they didn't conceive of them not signing for anybody else because they were celtic and they clung on to that as 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 unsuccessful big clubs do when they're going through a tough time they cling on to the name well we're celtic he's a celtic fan of course, he'll come here. He's not going to go anywhere else. He's certainly not going to go anywhere else in Scotland. So we're absolutely fine to do this. And they did cling on to that for too long because they were a board from the 60s that couldn't accept, I think, both where football, the game was going, and football, the business had gone. And you mentioned the tie up between what was happening, the kind of similarities between Rangers, the political situation, how Rangers almost echo the way that Great Britain is feeling at this point, uh, the the feeling around the club. Celtic looked as though they came from another, proudly came from another era that they were determined to cling a hold on to, and Rangers just swept in and took it. So, I totally agree with that. I think that maybe that, you know, the whole for change thing might have come along a wee bit earlier had they lost us, but this did give them something. To... We've had a bad season in the league, but look, we we'll have signed him, we'll be all right. And look, Scottish Cup, and as I mentioned earlier, the romance, the Scottish Cup was a big thing. It definitely papered over a few cracks at Rangers in the next few years. Uh,
3: and just... I think, yeah, and I think for the record as well, I think the general consensus of Rangers fans was absolutely gutted at losing to them in a final. But the positive was our not just steamrolled that whole league. Mm. We've just got the best players there. We've got everything right behind the scenes as well. You know, with the, the kind of board, the management team, we're signing these players. So it was, if, if anything, the disappointment was just we could beat with Celtic in a final where we know for a fact as a club in all different parts. We're just far superior to anyone now. Yeah.
1: So your fans... Waiting back to show their appreciation other than Alan, who's, who's going up the road in a huff. Um, another <laughs> no. man in a huff is the Rangers manager, who whose medal had to be rescued from the, the dressing room bath by Doddy Sutter, the, the Rangers kit man at the time. He was far from happy, as you would understand. Um, and he told his players, just remember this feeling. It's the worst in the world, and I want you all to dredge it back up when the new season starts. He said, before adding some kind of cryptic remark about doing something that summer that would hurt Celtic for years. Some players noticed him say that, but they were tired, it had been an exhausting season, thought little of it. It wasn't until a few of them were back at Hamden the following Saturday that the penny really should have started to drop. Scotland were playing England at Hamden the following week in the Rouse Cup, which was then played between Scotland, England, and I think all the whole nations, and a, a guest team. This team, this time, no, from, just, just Scotland team, and England, yeah, and, and Chile. Um, sure, from, from South yeah. America with the the uh, uh, invitees. Uh, this time it had been Brazil, I think, the year before. This game was played the on the Saturday after that thrilling First Division climax on the Friday night live um, at Anfield where, where Arsenal snatched that title. Um, Scotland had been in Troon all weekend and Johnson was Dropping hints to his roommate, Ali McCoist about how nice Graham Sooners' house was, and David Murray's house was, and eventually had to spell it out more clearly. It was like being hit by a juggernaut, wrote McCoist. I actually hid my head underneath the pillow. I just couldn't believe it was happening. The messaging in the press the week after the cup final had changed. Small snags were always there. It moved to contractual difficulties and it finished with Johnson that week apologising to the Celtic support that because of personal and contractual problems I am unable to go through with this move. Sorry lads, wish it was different. Billy McNeil, sensing that the deal was disintegrating, effectively bars his way past Andy Roxburgh into the Scotland camp to speak to Johnson. Um, He waited in the foyer whilst the player finished a call with... I mean, him told them that if you messed Celtic around, you'd fight him all the way. I'll make sure you never fucking play again. um Johnson was quite sheepish and quiet. I mean, he went to FIFA to plead the case that they had documentation basically a, a a letter with a will to do something rather than an actual contract, and they would fight it legally on the principle. But most people understood, including the Celtic boards, that there was a principle here that if the player didn't want to play, then they weren't interested in trying to force him and that you know Johnson, un- then, the, the unlikely then, to return to Celtic. I guess the football world would need a thousand guesses to predict his ultimate destination. But even during that Scotland-England game, it was struggling to register. Terry Butcher, who was superb in an England defence, half of which was made up by Rangers players, hell-bent on keeping a clean sheet at hand, and he would do, England would win 2-0. He told Johnson he was looking forward to kicking him again next season. He was told, no, I'll be coming back to play with you. Johnson just assumed that it was a striker trying to get in his head, and you know, just dismissed it. Even when all the pieces were laid out in front of Rangers <laughs> players and the Scotland footballing public, it was a puzzle that the collective mind couldn't possibly put together. We will get into to, to more of that next week, boys. The reason I did this project was in the back of the last one, but the fifty greatest games still available. Um, we had these. 50 games voted for, I think 21 from around this this era, which makes sense. But the vast majority um, were kind of bookends. You had three games from that first soonest season and you had seven, seven whole games, a third of that from the year, the calendar year between Gascoigne's hat-trick against Aberdeen to Loudrop's header against Dundee United. So this weight on the guys who finished this nine-in-a-row job and... The the soonest revolution year that's been kind of done to death, I guess, in, in, in books and documentaries. I felt there was something interesting and unloved and maybe just don't the attention it deserved around his middle. Um, because everyone, as I said, they talk about his arrival, they talk about his departure. But this team he had from 88 to 90, uh, I repeat again, is I think the best he had. I think one of the best that Rangers had during that 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 era. Um, I guess David, if that free kick or that that throw in hadn't gone in the way, that back pass hadn't gone in the way, the goal wasn't disallowed, and we'd won that treble, that it would be lionised. Uh,
2: it would. I think there's a couple of reasons for what you just said. And firstly, one is age. A lot of people my age, that although this was a childhood team. We started drinking and having nights out and all that good stuff in the Gaza, Walter, up era. So that, you know, you remember the cup wins or the big matches because then you remember where you went after it and who you were with. So there's that. It's, it's locked into that. And secondly, a lack of television, Martin, the meant that unless you were fortunate enough to get to the games, there would be some of these games that you might see the goals on a roundup and that was it. You know, that, that was your entire chance to see it. If if Rangers weren't one of the highlights on a Saturday or a Sunday, you you just heard the result and saw the result. So that's maybe why matches from this season aren't imprinted. And I think a guy who represents what you're talking about is Kevin Drinkle, who played terrifically well for Rangers this season. He really did. And scored a lot of goals and he just doesn't get brought up as much as as he deserves to, no. because it was a fine side. He played very well with Ali McCoy, and it, it. I think this side is underrated and, and undervalued because, again, to to just refer back to a point we made, look at where they were beaten. Yeah. Look, look at, at what, what they, they were dominating. Do. Look at what they were going past. Sides that could quite easily have a shout. I mean, Hearts had reached the European Cup quarter final for crying out loud. Sides that could play, sides that could win, sides that were difficult. Um, And I, I just remember this period so fondly, and I'm glad you're doing what you're doing because everything about it is just felt on the up. Alan nailed it there, even for an older bear. Complete trust in the boardroom, the management, the players. And with that comes an ability to put disappointment away. And maybe it's the lack of drama at this point, maybe it is the fact that there were no running battles, there were no running arguments I don't know, but this side has a right to be talked about uh, with much more fondness and much more often than it actually is
1: Alan, any final words before we wrap up 88-89?
3: Yeah, for me, I I think I probably messaged you, I don't know, maybe a a few weeks ago Martin, something to me Rangers related and I made a probably sound really cliche, it was like I feel blessed to have for 50 years went through you know the you know the bad times the wallace stuff the greg obviously this and people always end up talking about the nine in a row at the end when they've finally done it this for me as well i've I've just loved it too martin because i just went to all the games and you went you went to these games as david said i probably go out at night or whatever but it's been brilliant to be able to look back and just kind of analyze some of them and actually see i mean this team it wasn't all the physicality, you know, that people talked about. This team played some absolutely fantastic football. You know, the likes of, you know, Wilkins, Walters. Then you've got the, you know, kind of Gary Stevens, Woods, Butcher. I mean, mm. just such a great team. So I've loved it. I think it's also been good as well. Uh, looking at the whole change from Rangers being a, a real kind of bit of a shambles to having these kind of building blocks, which would keep us going for a, a while. And as you say, at the same time, looking at, how Celtic are going to go down, but as Davies said too, which you forget, Aberdeen and United, the number of international players and quality players in those sides as well, and actually how competitive it was, so you know, I loved it this year itself, this season, with the blip obviously at the end, to be honest, it was probably one of my favourite seasons, you know, winning this league, winning the League Cup, and and it gave me a real confidence as I say, although it was gutted, but you're really confident, you know, going into next season, and you know, uh, what's going to continue. It's been a pleasure looking back over this last four weeks. Thank you very much, Alan. No, I've really enjoyed it. Thanks. Uh, enjoyed it as well with David too. Really good. So thanks for having me. Thanks boys. Thank you, David.
2: Oh, a pleasure. thoroughly enjoyed it. A, a great season, a great time to look back in and maybe bring it into the light a wee bit more. Yeah.
1: Well, I think we've maybe done our job. Hopefully it's no longer underrated. Um, it was, I think, ...a far better and and more rounded team than the Sunnis had before. Maybe more importantly, it was far more disciplined than it was before... ...which gets overlooked as well. It gave Sunnis the ability to actually pick players... um, ...because they weren't suspended and there wasn't absolute chaos running riot. It could be powerful and direct, yes... ...but with Wilkins and Walters especially... ...it was a side capable of more than a little flourish on top of the steel and most importantly, it was impactful. The necessary noise, I guess, and bombast of those two years was over. With some success, I had a schedule to enjoy, but now I think there'd been a significant gear change. If Aberdeen had been put in the ropes with a cup final win and two clutch league victories in the middle of the season, then Celtic, 5-1, 4-1, and the end of their home record were hearing bells. The knockout blow was just about to be delivered. Until next time, bye for now.